or good evening or good afternoon wherever you are whatever time it is welcome to all of the above my name is aaron markham i'm one of the pastors at the church at greer station uh, we have this podcast all above so that we can talk about kind of whatever we want in ministry or life or related to god or the kingdom or whatever it or is or related to coffee confidence coffee supply okay they yeah. sent us they sent us a couple of pounds this week alex cook and, and the folks down in mexico so uh, we've mentioned them on the podcast before, and we would heartily recommend you check out Confidence Coffee Supply. They are doing really good work, and purchasing the coffee goes to support Alex's ministry, planting churches, evangelizing, providing work for folks in uh, in, in his region. So wanted to get that in real quick before I forgot. Yeah, that's great. They're doing great work, seeking to plant a church in, in a place that has, um, has never had one in a tribal area in Guatemala, if I'm not mistaken, but I might be mistaken. Um and that's right. That's they're right. Looking he's going to go to Mexico. Yep. Um, as that's they right. as they learn Spanish. Um, all right, we were having a little uh, debate prior to um, jumping on this podcast related to restaurants to enjoy today's lunch at. Um, Trevor is a big fan of Tropical Grill. I don't quite understand the hype of Tropical Grill. I will say my last experience, I went with Matthew Bannister. He gave me a good piece of advice, and I heartily i enjoyed it more than i had ever enjoyed it before um but i'm still not totally on board with tropical grill quite understanding the point of it so trevor help explain to me well we need what to know I'm missing what's the advice i mean it was we got the like like the steak bowl it was like a 13 dollars mm. steak bowl and it was like i can't make this at home i know i can't make this steak as good as it is and the onions and all the stuff so that it's well worth it my problem with like the eight dollar chicken bowl is like I can go to Aldi and get fifty cent yellow rice, you know, a dollar of chicken and a forty cent can of black beans, and I've got the eight dollar meal and a dollar fifty, and I can eat it three times over. That's a bold claim to say so, that you can make chicken to that degree of quality. Yeah, does chicken have varying degrees of quality? That's oh, absolutely. My, that's my question. I feel like most chicken tastes the same to me. Oh so. man, the grilled chicken at Tropical Grill is juicy and delicious and flavorful yeah it's great and mm. the the grilled flavor is really pronounced but not overpowering plus you get the uh, mustard curry sauce which i would bathe in um you would smell terrible but i would taste delicious <laughs> <laughs> i like the garlic cilantro sauce i do i do the mustard curry three parts mustard curry one part of the uh jalapeno okay yeah that will give a little kick yeah and then you get the fried plantains on the side, those are and good. You chop those up and try and evenly distribute it in the, uh, in the in the bowl. Yeah, that's where it's at, dude. I'm with you. I'm with you. That that makes a little bit of sense, but I'm I'm, I don't know. I'm just not. Ever since Sarah Gilliam prepared Tropical Grill at her house for, uh, for me or for Casey, me, I don't know who, and had like all the sauces and everything just tasted delicious. I was like, man, man, yeah. I feel like I can make this at home. Hey, I did I tell know. you guys I found out I was uh, colorblind last week? Yeah, are you really colorblind? It came totally out of the purple. (laughs) (laughs) What a terrible joke! Uh, All right, well, we need it. We need to get started here. Uh, That was from you said Sarah and Sarah Gilliam told me that joke recently, and so I had to use it. That's so good. This uh, this morning, for us, whatever time it is for you, we're gonna talk a little bit about the kingdom, and this uh, derives itself. We are in a 
book study of Acts. Um, I don't know if some people in our church are afraid we're going to spend five years in it like we did Matthew, but I've, I've tried to reassure people, like, I think we're a good year, maybe a year and a half. Trevor's got it planned out. We're going to... We're going to study it, we're going to go in depth, but we won't We won't be there forever. Um, but super excited to study through the book of Acts. We have passages like Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 6, kind of middle of verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So it's in the very beginning of Acts. And then at the end of Acts, in Acts chapter 28, verse 23, again kind of halfway down, uh, the verse testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And then verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Trevor, help me help me understand what is the kingdom of God. Help give me kind of an introduction to this kingdom that is being talked about in the beginning and the end of Acts. Yeah, so it is important to establish that Acts is bookended with kingdom talk. And in both instances, it's two people who are trying to explain the kingdom of God. It's Jesus who's, after his resurrection and after his resurrection appearances, even within those resurrection appearances, he is talking about the kingdom. He's explaining the kingdom, how the kingdom has come in his ministry, in his life, death, and resurrection. And um, and then in the latter half of Acts, the, the end of Acts, it's Paul talking about the kingdom. It's Paul explaining the kingdom in, in uh, chapter 28, verse 23. And then the book ends, uh, 28, verse 31, saying that Paul is preaching the kingdom without hindrance. And actually, the, the final word of Acts is the word unhinderedly, which we don't have, that's not really a word. And so it's translated without hindrance. So, um, the, the theme of the kingdom is, is not just woven throughout Acts, but it's, it's like implicit all within Acts. It's, it's, uh, like King Jesus kind of cast a shadow on every page. So it is important that we kind of work through what exactly is the kingdom. And I wanted to start with this quote. This comes from, uh, an author named Alan Thompson. He wrote a book in a, um, it's in this, it's this biblical studies series. This particular book of his is called The Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. And he's got this little paragraph about the kingdom of God that I thought was really helpful. We can, we can talk around this. Let's do it. He says, There is a sense in which the phrase kingdom of God refers to God's universal sovereignty. God always rules over his creation. He is the sovereign king over all he has made, and his kingdom rules over all. In this sense, given that all are under God's sovereign rule, all are in God's kingdom. Right, so he says, there's a sense in which God is king over everything, as the the analogy we used before, as the author of this story, yep. as the one who has complete providence over everything. He's the, as the one who feeds the lilies, or clothes the li- lilies and feeds the sparrows. He's the king. The Old Testament, however, also anticipates a time when God's rule will be established in keeping with his saving promises. This will be a time when the enemies of God and the enemies of his people are defeated and God's people will be blessed. The arrival of the kingdom of God in this sense is something like the fulfillment of God's saving promises or the saving rule of God. And one must, quote, receive the kingdom or, quote, enter into the kingdom to participate in these saving promises. It is the accomplishment of this saving rule already in advance of the final consummation, even in the midst of continued opposition that Luke highlights in the book of Acts. So, all right, so there's this one kind of generally true sense that God is king over everything. He's, he's, he's king in his providence. He, he rules over all things. But the Old 
Testament also anticipated a time when God would come and his saving presence would be like rich amongst his people. Mm. He would, I think of passages like Isaiah 25, where the reproach of his people is removed. The shadow of death is, is removed. Um, the land is a, is a place of abundance. You have imagery of feasting and and drinking wine and, and turning, um, weapons into farm equipment. You kind of have this, this beautiful picture of the kingdom. Um, if we had a chart in front of us, actually might use this on Sunday, you would say that you kind of have the, the Jewish conception of the end times would be you kind of have this old age that's then interrupted and replaced by this new age where the Messiah comes and he, he fixes everything, he restores all things. But in Jesus, the kingdom has come, but it's come in a, in a, in a mustard seed form. It's come... Um, right in the middle of the old age. And so you kind of have this overlap of the ages where the kingdom has come in one sense and the, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death, resurrection of Jesus, the coming of the spirit, empowering the apostles. Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God. Um, entrance into the kingdom is available now, but it's not come in its fullest sense. We're still awaiting the final consummation of the kingdom when Jesus comes and, and finally eliminates death. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several scriptures that we could look at that, that kind of speak to this. Um, here, let's, let me turn to Luke. That's really helpful, though, in thinking about all of the different ways that the, the kingdom is kind of imagined. God's, just to kind of recap, God's sovereign hand over everything. He's created all of life. So yep. in a sense, all of life is under him. Yep. God's kind of sovereign rule, provi- providential rule beginning in the Old Testament, kind of with a people, um, with Israel, and then kind of this third idea with Jesus coming, kind of tasting and seeing the kingdom come in a different way. So, yeah, what, what, do, you, what do you see in Luke? Well, you know, the, even, even the kingdom that we see, so we get, we get glimpses into the kingdom when we have, uh, you know, the prosperous kingdom under David and, and Solomon, you mm-hmm. know, kind of the uh, King David in particular is kind of the, the king par excellence, you know, for the people of Israel. Um, we kind of get sampling foretaste of a capital K kingdom that is going to come one day. And there was always kind of this sense of anticipation, even as you read the Psalms and you read the Old Testament, that there's a, there's a leveling up that's expected of, of even those kingdoms. So there's still kind of this, to use this word, eschatological anticipation that there's going to be a final installment of the kingdom that's, that's going to be permanent. Um, and it was still just kind of out of reach as you read through the Old Testament and read through the prophets. Um, and so when Jesus comes on the scene, he says things like this. This is Luke 11, verse 20. He tells the uh, religious leaders, If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he says, you know, he's, he's being challenged about his authority to cast out demons. And he says, if it is, in fact, the power of God that's behind this, if, if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, which, you know, we, we would say he is, obviously, he says, that means the kingdom is here. That means the kingdom is in your midst. The the kingdom, that awaited eschatological kingdom is here. Um, that's one of the important things to note about his miracles. Like, it, his miracles aren't just validation of, of his divine identity, um, though, of course, they are that. His miracles are actually a picture of the kingdom being unleashed in the fallen world. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, we're looking at our parking lot here and, and 
there's all these cracks in the parking lot where you can see grass that's kind of sprung out from mm-hmm. it. It's like his miracles are like kind of the the grass of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom, kind of breaking through the concrete of mm. the the evil present age. Mm. Um, another example I've always thought about is uh, Aslan in Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, it's a hundred years of winter, um, and then when Aslan gets on the scene, the ice starts to melt, and you start to see spring break through, and you hear birds singing. And so it's kind of this, it's kind of the same idea, like when Jesus comes, he brings the kingdom with him, and his miracles, and his granting of forgiveness, and his mercy that he shows to to Nicodemus and to um, Zacchaeus and to the woman who anoints his, his feet with oil. All of this is kind of pictures of the kingdom breaking through into the present. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's super, super encouraging just to think about Jesus as um, the incarnation, God coming and dwelling with uh, sinful human beings and really bringing the kingdom with him and bringing miracles and bringing light in the midst of darkness and sunshine in the midst of cold and um, really refreshing us uh, with who he is and us getting to, you know, in response, know and worship uh, the king of, of the universe. Um, yeah, that's really, that's really helpful. I'm thinking, you know, a, that sounds really great. Jesus has come. You casted this beautiful, wonderful picture and yet, Jesus has come, died, crucified, buried, raised, ascended, ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, and yet, um, sin still runs rampant. My body aches. Yep. You know, You're this just morning. just complaining about it, your back hurting. Yeah. yeah, I was just complaining about my back hurting <clears throat> from kind of running and whatever. Um, evil is still all around us. I mean, I'm thinking about, um, you know, what gets on the news and what doesn't get on the news mm. this weekend, what got on the news, all of these shootings kind of all around yeah. uh, the U.S. And no doubt there's lots of other evil things that took place this weekend just in one person's heart by themselves. Yeah. Um, why is that there? What What is, what's the disconnect um, that Jesus has come, the kingdom is here, and yet there's a lot of stuff I'm, I'm banging my head against the wall against. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I mean, so there still is this future hope. So two, two answers to that. There still is this future hope where, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, um, we're still awaiting Christ to put the final enemy death under his feet, and they'll present all things to the, the Father. Um, and we'll sing, oh, death, where is your where is your victory? Where is your sting? Revelation 21, we also have this image of, really Revelation 19 through 21, this image of Christ the King coming and restoring all things and righting all wrongs, eliminating all evil. So there is a coming in fullness that's still out in front of us. Um, But the second thing I'd say is with the existence of evil and suffering, um, we now embody the kingdom through suffering like the crucified King, through... um, through our own suffering, through moving near to those who are suffering, to weeping with those who weep, uh, to bearing up under sorrows, um, to having broken down bodies. Uh, I mean, we follow a crucified king. And this side of the kingdom coming in fullness, like the way that we follow that crucified king is to, is to, is to suffer and is to hurt and is to demonstrate or show trust in God and trust in his grace and sovereignty, even through those evils and through those hardships, just as Christ did. Um, 
In fact, gosh, I wish I had the reference in front of me. One of the things that's interesting about the kingdom of God in Acts is there's this one particular instance where I believe it's Paul and Barnabas who are evangelizing a group of Gentiles, and they say, it says that they, they're showing them how they must enter the kingdom of God through sufferings. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a workspace thing there. They're just saying that the kingdom right now looks like the crucified king. We, we look like followers of the crucified king who bear up under those hardships and bear up under those evils and who, who grieve and, and who weep. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah, that's so good. Um, thinking about us following a, a crucified king who, um, yes, is all-powerful, all-knowing, all things were created through him and for him, by him, um, perfectly glorious, and yet he is a crucified king that yeah. we follow <clears throat> and we worship. I was thinking about Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So this eternal weight of glory that is being built in us through the affliction, this is not this is not caught God by surprise. Mm. This is God's, um, again, kind of going back to our, our first idea of the kingdom, his sovereign plan over all of creation. Um which is hard sometimes, very real, very valid questions, um, difficult emotions to work through when hard things happen. Um, and yet we're promised that this is for our good. This is a light and momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that mm. is being prepared for us. As Especially we, our, our hope is to be in the presence of the king, all sad things made untrue, mm. Um, all things made right, and what glory? What how glorious will that be? Yeah, and that's why we set our eyes on the perfecter, uh, founder, perfecter of our faith, Jesus. Um, that's what the author of Hebrews says, and as he opens up chapter twelve, that's great. Um, we we set our eyes on Christ because we saw we see His example in in living this um, living in this fallen world and being that crucified king being the man of sorrows we 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 set our eyes on him as our example in that way but we also set our eyes in him, on him because we recognize that he is exalted he's he passes through death and is resurrected and exalted and that's our fate as well like we're going to pass through death we're going to be resurrected and exalted and reign mm-hmm. with Christ mm-hmm. um uh so i have another thought but yeah. it escaped me no that's great so in thinking about the kingdom. What what does all of this mean for us? You know what what are what are we to take away from? You know the little bit we've been able to share here as we think about Christ, the kingdom, the kingdom still to kind of come and be perfected. What what are we to take away? Yeah. So, um, I mean, like like we already mentioned. I mean this this understanding of the kingdom it does give us meaning to our suffering because we see what God's doing and we see that our our King you know, went down in order to go up. So I think that's one thing. I think another thing, too, to be a little bit less <laughs> down, to be a little bit more triumphalistic, is is uh, Jonathan Lehman. He uses the imagery of local church being kingdom embassies in foreign mm-hmm. lands. So in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, you know, Paul says that we're, we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven in particular. Um, what, he's, what he's not emphasizing there is that our home is in some ethereal 
place where where God is now. What he what he's emphasizing here is that our uh, our lives as the church, like like we we live kingdom lives together. We're like the grass now that that's breaking up through the concrete. Like and and we like Jesus to a certain extent. We uh, we melt the snow and, and we 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 uh, embody the beauty of the the life of the kingdom together in our hospitality and our generosity and our mercy and our forgiveness. That's a big thing. Um, the scriptures often talk about those who are forgiven forgive. So in in all of those ways, we get to embody this future kingdom. We get to be that foretaste of what is to come yeah. in in the present here and now, which I think is a really really compelling picture. I love that. I love thinking. I mean, thinking about the church as a embassy in a in a foreign land as a as, as a taste of the kingdom is a is a beautiful picture. And I, I and I guess that's what we are seeking to do at TCGS with all the ways we fail and need to grow and hope to get better at a million different things. Um, hopefully, there's this kind of taste of mm. um, beauty and kind of unity and worship of the King mm. and. Um, putting sin to death, being restored to each other as we long for the return of the king. Dude, everybody, so so I love thinking about the future kingdom, and I love, um, I mean, n- nobody writes as beautifully on this as Lewis, C.S. Lewis, when he talks about the, 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 the weight of glory that we're awaiting. And these things are going to be true of us in the future. But there is also this call to, like, be, for, for those things to be true of us in the present in a way, you know? Um, and so thinking of our church and all of its, I don't know, mundane kind of average Joe, the reality of, 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 of who we are, we are a kingdom embassy. Like we're a place where the kingdom of God can break through and where it can be seen and tasted and, and um, seen and tasted as good. And so it's our hope, like you said, that our church is very much this picture and taste of the kingdom. Um, I think a couple of other things this calls us to is, you know, we live by kingdom values. We just, we just live for another world. Um, we have different values. We value things like mercy, generosity, hospitality. Um, we value people, not things, uh, love, um, holiness, unstained by the world. You know, we, we, we live alternative lives. Uh, we already mentioned hope, um, hope for the kingdom and fullness in our suffering, but also evangelism. I mean, it's, uh, we're called to make King Jesus known and 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 invite people into the kingdom to know the King and to, to experience the hope of the kingdom. So, um, I think all of these things are a proper response to the beautiful reality of the kingdom of God in Christ. That's really good. Let us be, you know, a, a city on a hill, a light in dark space, and we can do that in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in tremendous ways. Mm. Um, as I feel like I'm walking more and more with Christ, there's just, there's a level of beauty that that is being a part of the kingdom, that is being a part of, um, you know, Jesus' people, as mm. we've talked about in, in different, in different yeah. sermon series. It's just attractive, beautiful, better, um, brings more peace, hope, contentment, all the things that we kind of, in a very secular sense, people people desire and want, um, and the kingdom of God is the one who brings that. Um, even though it doesn't answer all of the questions right now, there's just attraction to um, following Jesus and mm. being content with that, raising our kids with that, you know, hanging out with our neighbors and just experiencing joy um, together uh, is something we love. Any other kind of final remarks? 
Yeah, the kingdom, and when this, it took me some time to kind of wrap my brain around the topic of kingdom of God. And of course, if you have more questions, man, please reach out to us and, and let us know. Or if any of this was unclear, we'd be happy to, to uh, you know, expand on this a bit further. Um, but as soon as I sort of wrapped my mind around the theme of kingdom, it's it's hard not to see it everywhere in the scriptures. See it on every page, and like I said, I mean it's it it's King Jesus and his kingdom cast a shadow on every moment in the Book of Acts. Um, I don't think the phrase kingdom is used all that much in the book. It's kind of placed strategically throughout, but the the, the theme is very present. And so even as we study Acts, have your kingdom sensors alert and uh, try to make note of, of when these ideas are present and. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you'll notice some things that Aaron and I and the other pastors don't as we teach through the book. Yeah, that's really good. And we, we get a taste of the kingdom coming even this past week and then this coming week with um, the Holy Spirit coming down, the Holy Spirit then coming and, and saving 3,000. What a taste of the kingdom uh, coming to this world. Well, Trevor, thanks for joining me talking about the kingdom. Feel free to reach out and... Um, our emails are online. If you have our phone numbers, text us. Uh, we would love to always talk more, answer any questions um, that you may have. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Yeah.